since we spent a long time in the New Testament, we talked, we looked at the book of Joel a few, the prophet Joel, a few weeks ago when I when I brought the study. I appreciate Jeff and what he's done these last two weeks. Um, I want to call your attention to Numbers, chapter 16. Numbers. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. This is, uh, this is right after. So Exodus is the children of Israel leaving Egypt, right? And they go out in the desert and run away from the Pharaoh, cross the Red Sea, uh, in the desert, on the way to the Promised Land the first time. And they get to Kadesh Barnea, and they're afraid to go in. They send spies in. The purpose of the spies was for the 10 spies brought back a bad report and scaredy cats, basically. And But two of the spies brought back a word that was the purpose for the spies being sent in. These guys are bad news. There's giants, and uh, they said... To those guys, we look like grasshoppers. And so um, the, God wanted them to know, as he has throughout Scripture, it's bad. But I'm with you, and it, so it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that you're in Egypt, slaves, no power at all. You came out of there. Didn't matter that you're backed up against the Red Sea. I delivered you. Didn't matter that you're starving. I fed you and have all this time. Um, so, so I'll take care of you still. No, they get scared and they don't go in. Uh, and they're rewarded with 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. But this is right after they don't go in. In chapter 16, we find a rebellion against Moses and Aaron. So, it says, now Korah, I'll go ahead and read off here. Now Korah, the son of Izar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, with Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and on the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men, and they rose up before Moses with some of the children of Israel, 250 leaders of the congregation, representatives of the congregation, men of renown. Uh, they gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, you take too much upon yourselves. They didn't mean work, like you're working too hard. They meant you, you take too much power on yourselves. You take too much on yourselves for all the, con all the congregations holy. Is that true? Well, in a way. That, uh, if you're speaking faith. There you go. Every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourself above the assembly of the Lord? Now, it, it, I mean, they're basically talking about power. They were criticizing him like, you got too much power, and we need to, con we need to get you under control. Um, so their argument is, you're no better than anyone else. Is that true? Was Moses any better than anyone else? He still did things wrong. Um, he got, get mad and stuff like that, but he, that's true. He was no better than anyone else. Um, 
And, and their, one of their arguments was that everyone is chosen of the Lord. We're all a chosen people. Is that true? Yes. But they, their conclusion from those two pieces of fact, their conclusion was that we don't need to obey you. So they twisted those statements and come up with this thing. We don't need to obey you. Uh, so when Moses heard it, he fell on his face and he spoke to Korah and all his company saying, one of the reasons I chose to go with this route is because Korah's talked about all through the Bible. If you look at the Psalms, there's song for the sons of Korah. This is who they're talking about. Korah does a really, really bad thing. But there's always redemption. So uh, tomorrow, so he comes up with the plan. Moses does. Tomorrow morning, the Lord will show who is his and who is holy and will cause him to come near to him. That one whom he chooses will cause to come near to him. Do this. Take censers. So that's the thing that they burned incense in. Um we don't have we don't have that. Does Catholic Church still use a censer for something? And they carry it on that stick and that ball, and it's smoking. And so it was like that. Take censers, Korah, and all your company. Put fire in them and put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow. And it shall be that the man whom the Lord chooses is the Holy One. You take too much upon yourselves, you sons of Levi. So he's. You think you say I'm taking too much? You take too much on yourselves. So let's see what happens. Now, you always have a chance to back down. They could have said, um, okay, we've rethought it. Let's not do that. Because they've already seen people, they've seen the ground swallow people up before. This is only, this is a short time after that kind of thing has happened. Okay, I mean, this isn't 100 years, 200 years later. This is a few months later. Um, you take too much of fun. Then Moses said to Korah, Hear now, you sons of Levi, is it a small thing that you, is it a small thing to you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel? Because they had a job already. They were already exalted to some extent. They were, and it is the job of the sons of Korah to be the gatekeepers of the tabernacle. So they could choose who came in. They maintained a lot. They're not like custodians, but but they did a lot of stuff to work in the church. And they were recognized as as servants in in a big way. So he says, is it a small thing... um, that he separated you from the congregation. You've already got, you're, you're already kind of stand out. And he brings you near to himself to do the work of the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation to serve, to serve them. And that he's brought you near to himself, you and all your brethren, the sons of Levi with you. And are you seeking the priesthood also? So you're seeking to be the one. Therefore, you and all your company are gathered together against the Lord. And what is Aaron that you complain against him? Aaron hadn't done anything wrong, except he's the head guy. And Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab. But they said, we're not come up. We're not going to come up to you. Who do you think you are telling us to come? 
Is it a small thing that you've brought us up out of a land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness that you should keep acting like a prince over us? What was the land flowing with milk and honey that they're referring to? It's not Egypt. Not the problem. Not the promised land. He said, you brought it. Because the only place. The, they, that's right. They did not go into the promised land. But they're not talking about that. They're calling Egypt the land flowing with milk and honey. Now, Egypt, they did have stuff to eat, but they've not been starving this whole time either. Um, so is it a small thing that you brought us up out of the land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness that you should keep acting like a prince over us? Moreover, you've not brought us into a land flowing with milk and honey, nor given us inheritance of fields of vineyards that, that have been promised, that you'll have vineyards that you, that you didn't plant, et cetera, et cetera. But why is that? Because they chickened out and wouldn't go in. Will you put out the eyes of these men? We'll not come up. Then Moses was very angry. He said to the Lord, do not respect their offering. I've not taken one donkey from them, nor have I hurt one of them. And Moses said to Korah, tomorrow you and your guys come present yourself before the Lord, you and they as well as Aaron. Let each take his censer and put inside the Senate, et cetera, et cetera. Both you and Aaron, each with a censer. So every man took his censer, put fire in it, laid incense in it and stood at the door of the tabernacle of meeting with Moses and Aaron. And Korah gathered all the congregation against them. All How much of the congregation? All. So he spread his rumors around his stuff, and he got everybody to stand with him. Except it's their own fault that they're wandering around the wilderness. Yeah. That, then, but don't take responsibility for it themselves. Yeah, yeah. So the son, Korah and all his guys and all the congregation goes with them. Y'all, I know what that feels like. Well, not for me. <laughs> but, 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 but to have rumors and, pe- and people talk about, try to bring you down. Um. Uh, so he gathered all the congregation against him at the door of the tabernacle meeting. Then, and I think that some this didn't just happen overnight. It's possible that in all the comings and goings, they started sowing seeds of discontent among yeah. the people. So that overnight, he all he has to do is snap his fingers, and all the people come, and they're standing at the door of meeting. So this is the tabernacle. There's not a temple yet. It's the tabernacle. And the Lord's, and y'all know what that is. It's like a big circus tent, and it, but it represents, the temple was a kind of a copy of all that stuff. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, this is funny. Separate yourselves from among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. It's like, watch out because I'm, I'm getting ready to take care of things. And all... After all that's happened, they fell, Moses and Aaron, they fell on their face and said, Oh God, the God of the spirit of all flesh, shall one man sin and you be angry with all the congregation? Everything Moses put up with, and he still stands for the people. He still intercedes for the people with God. And uh, so the Lord spoke to Moses saying, yeah. I mean, it's like, one, two, three, four, five. 
So the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the congregation saying, get away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. <laughs> okay, I won't destroy the whole bunch, but get, you, anybody that doesn't want to get burned up, you move away from these three guys. Then Moses rose and went to Dathan and Abiram and the elders of Israel followed him. He spoke to the congregation saying, depart from the tents of these wicked men, touch nothing of theirs, lest you be consumed uh, in all their sins. So the people got away from around, I mean, it didn't take long, around Korth, Dathan, and Abiram, and Dathan and Abiram came out and stood at the door of their tents with their wives, their sons, and their little children. They can still back down. They can go, okay, my bad, I'm all good. I don't know if they hear God in all of this stuff. It's a really good question, all the people run away except these guys still standing there had to be something that all the people run away because getting a whole bunch of people to do anything fast it just doesn't happen so Moses said by this you shall by this you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works I don't know why it not been long since he's done a bunch of stuff anyway. Uh, but people forget pretty quickly. For I have not done them of my own will. If these men die naturally, like all men, like we all do, if they just die of old age, or if they are visited by the common fate of all men, then the Lord's not sent me. But if the Lord creates a new thing and the earth opens up its mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to them and they go down alive into the pit, then you'll understand that these men have rejected the Lord. He speaks this out among uh, everybody. Guess what? Foreshadowing. Now it came to pass as he finished speaking all these words that the ground split apart under them and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their households and all the men with Korah, with all their goods. That means their wives and their kids and everything else too. So they they and all those with them went down alive into the pit and the earth closed up over them and they perished from among the assembly. So they're screaming and all as they're falling down into the, into the crevice, crevasse, whatever you call it, that's opened up in the, in the ground like an earthquake. Then all Israel who are around them fled at their cry because they hear those people hollering for they said, lest the earth swallow us up also. They just, they run further and further away. And a fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering incense. So all these guys that got their things and that were leaders from among the people, a congregation other than those three, uh, men and their families, uh, the fire consumes them. Then the Lord, and I, I don't know what it looks like, but I'm imagining like from uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark when they, that first one where they get the, how many of you have seen that? And the fire shoots out and gets all those people. That's what I picture is maybe coming out of the tabernacle from the Holy of Holies and it's, it just eats everybody up. What do you think? I think so too. That's what I figured. <laughs> Had their names on it though. It only, only hit them. Yeah. <laughs> Snakes in between people and gets those guys. 
Then the Lord spoke to uh, tell Eliezer, the son of Aaron the priest, to pick up the censers out of the blaze, for they are holy. So on these piles of ashes and stuff, he goes up and picks up all the censers, and they're golden, I think. Um, Take them out of the blaze, for they are holy, and scatter the fire some distance away. The censers of these men who sinned against their own souls, let them be made into hammered plates as a covering for the altar." because they presented them before the Lord, therefore they are holy, and they shall be a sign of the children of Israel. So what's the sign that don't mess up? God's a consuming fire. God is consuming fire. So Eliezer the priest took the bronze censers, which those who were burned up had presented, and they were hammered out as a covering for the altar to be a memorial to the children of Israel that no outsider who's not a descendant of Aaron should come near to offer incense before the Lord, that he might not become like Korah and his companions, just as the Lord had said to him through Moses. On the next day, all the congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, saying, you've killed the people of the Lord. Who? Who killed the... Not, not Moses. It's easy, though, to see God do a thing... And and the agent that that made it happen, like Moses, you think that he's doing it. That that's why sometimes pastors and preachers and stuff get elevated in a way that they shouldn't, because people, I mean, begin to, I mean, they begin to be like kind of rock stars, and that's that's just wrong, because they, it was true that Moses and, and Aaron weren't any better than anybody else. But they're the ones that God had chosen to be the leader, at least for that time. But he said that, so this sign, this metal, this covering for the altar was supposed to be a sign to not become like Korah and his companions. But they said, you've killed the people of the Lord. Now it happened when the congregation, (laughs) I don't know if this, this is the next day. This is, it's not like they forgot. They got, they just seen a bunch of 250 plus those three families. They've seen them all burned up for complaining and belly aching, gossiping, murmuring and complaining, murmuring and complaining. And what do they do? You kill the people of the Lord. Now it happened when the congregation had gathered against Moses and Aaron that they turned toward the tabernacle of meeting and suddenly the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord appeared. Then Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of meeting. So like through the, the, ta- the pillar of smoke, well, that's God. So everybody come, let's show up. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, get away from among the congregation that I may consume them in a moment. <laughs> Again, hello, this happened yesterday. The same exact words, get away from them because I'm getting ready to lay down the law. And they fell on their faces again. Not the people, Moses and Aaron fell on their faces the same way they did before. And Moses said to to Aaron, take a censer and put fire in it from the altar. Put incense on it and take it quickly to the congregation. Make atonement for them. Get that smoke out there. For wrath has gone out from the Lord. The plague has begun. What's a plague? Yeah, it's bad news. It, it's, it's a contagious con, uh, contagion and a bunch of people just start dying. 
The plague has begun. And Aaron took it as Moses has commanded and ran into the midst of the assembly. And already the plague had begun among the people. So he put in the incense, made atonement, and he stood between the dead and the living. So the plague was stopped. That, that's also maybe some good information, practical information on what you do when there's a plague. <laughs> not, I'm not getting political or anything though, so just stay away from that. He, but, but he stood between the, the dead and the living and the plague got stopped. Now those who died in the plague were 14,700. And the way it sounds like, it didn't happen, it didn't take a long time. It, besides those who died in the Korah incident. <laughs> the Korah incident. So Aaron returned to Moses at the door of the tabernacle of meeting for the plague had stopped. If you go to Psalm, starting with Psalm 42, and Psalm 42 is one of the, it's the second most favorite, most famous song, probably. Because what's the most famous psalm? The 23rd. 23rd psalm. Or is my shepherd? The 42 is the one that says, As the deer pants for water, so my soul longs after you, O God. You know what that psalm was, who that psalm was written for? For the sons of Korah to sing. And so it's chapter 43, 44, 45, 46, 47. Several, do, several dozen chapters in there, maybe up to 70, are, are psalms for the sons of Korah to sing. They were still redeemed. Even after all that stuff happened, that family is redeemed because they were still, the, they maintained their job as gatekeepers and it's they're referred to in um in the rest of numbers they're referred to in chronicles uh the gatekeepers the sons of Korah who were the gatekeepers uh they're talked about in psalms and they're talked about at the very end of the new testament in the book of jude the book of jude is if you're looking something up, you have to put in Jude chapter 1. But in your Bible, it's just, the Jude, there's one chapter. So um, in the book of Jude, that's the last book right before Revelation. In, chap, uh, in verse 5, he says, But I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep... Okay, and so there's a list uh, he's got going through history. Delivered out of Egypt, but a bunch of those people died anyway. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he is reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. So who is that? What angels is that? The fallen angels, right. So a little history. The Egypt, the bunch that came out of Egypt, the angels, they, they, they got in a heap of trouble. 
As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality, gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. I'm not going to go into a long exhortation or anything about this, but if there was ever a time when we went after strange flesh, that time is now where we don't know the difference between a boy and a girl and people are mutilating themselves chemically and uh, surgically and all that kind of stuff. There's never been a time when it's as strange as it is right now. Uh, So I think it's a warning for us. Set forth as an example in Sodom and Gomorrah, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. I I guess that means that they're in hell after the fire that fell on their cities because it says eternal fire. I wonder if that means... So they're in eternal fire. The angels are in eternal fire. I wonder if the sons of Korah are also in eternal fire. Okay, that seems to... So... Likewise, also these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, speak evil of dignitaries. You got to watch your words. Yet, Michael, the archangel, the archangel in contending with the devil when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation. He didn't call the devil an idiot or anything like that, or stupid head. Um, The only thing he says is, the Lord rebuke you. I'm not going to rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. But these speak evil of what? These people that that Jude is referring to? Under Under the influence of the Holy Spirit? But these speak evil of whatever they do not know, whatever they know naturally, but just, I know this, I mean, this this is my opinion, which that and a five or six bucks is you can get a cup of coffee. They speak evil of what they do not know and whatever they know naturally, like brute beasts. And these things, they corrupt themselves. Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, have run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. How would you like for your whole life's work to be a footnote that's referred to throughout? I mean, some of it's not so bad, but this is the footnote at the end of God's revelation of himself to us right before the book of Revelation. And you're known as a, as a Korahite for, because of your rebellion. I, that's one of the sad things. I, and I've talked about it before. Um, king Uzziah was a fantastic, amazing king. I mean, he like, he bi- like built the interstates. In Israel, he did cool things to Jerusalem. Made these, uh, made these uh, 
fortresses on the corners of the walls so that you could fight back into the wall and archers could shoot people who were trying to climb up ladders and get over the wall. I mean, he had amazing, he was great king, great king. But all anybody remembers that in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. He's just kind of a footnote on Isaiah. And that's all anybody remembers about him until I bring it up. I mean, that he he did a lot of awesome things. How would you like to be remembered like Korah? How would you like to be remembered like Jeroboam? What do, what do people remember about Jeroboam? The sin of Jeroboam is what's tacked on to the end of all of the kings of Israel and some of the kings of Judah. Uh, but most of the kings of Israel, the northern ti- tribes, when it says it, it has a whole history of their life in the book, in the books of Kings and Chronicles, it has history of their life and it said, but he did evil in the sight of the Lord and followed after the sin of Jeroboam. Th- that's what Korah is. Yeah. Yes. He. That's Rehoboam. That's Rehoboam. But Jeroboam was a cousin or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And he's the one that went up north, invented a religion up there so that the people wouldn't go back to Jerusalem anymore. He would have his own altar up there. That's the altar that got broken. But they still continued even in, in King Josiah's day, one of the very last kings of Yeah, that was way later on. No, Rehoboam and no, Sol, right after Solomon was Rehoboam and Jeroboam. Rehoboam was, was was to get all of Israel, and Jeroboam—I mean, Jeroboam was to get all of Israel. Rehoboam was to get Judah. But then, Jeroboam got the northern tribes. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So and so the, he because of inventing that religion and and taking the people away from the true worship of the true God, he invented this false religion up there so the people wouldn't want to come back home. Because he said, if they go back home to Jerusalem every year to the Passover, I'm going to lose them because they're going to get homesick and they're not going to want to come back here and I'll have no people to be the Lord over. And so he invented this religion and that was known as the sin of Jeroboam. And from then on, they followed after idol worship and all that kind of stuff, so it was bad news. The point is that they got remembered for that. I'm just wondering what the church is going to look like in what's going to be written about the church in a few hundred years of the things that we're following after. I don't want people to remember the sin of Victory Life Church like this, the sons of Korah. I want to get, whenever the Lord reveals something, I want to go, my bad, Lord. (laughs) You're God, I'm not. Because that's what this boils down to. The sin of Korah is, I want to be my own God. It's the sin of the fallen angels. It's a sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. I want to be my own boss. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. I don't want to, I don't want to be left with only one choice of being a boy or being a girl. If you have a choice, I don't want to be left with that choice. I want to be fluid. 
I want to be a boy when I want to, and I want to be a girl when I want to. I want to, I mean, and I'm, I'm not picking on anybody or any one thing. I'm just saying, who are we? When we're saying, I don't even want that simple a thing. I want to do whatever I want, whenever I want, and not be, not have any social constraints or any religious constraints or anything else to stop me from doing whatever I want to do. And this is part three of my message for the last two weeks. Uh, is that, I, I don't know what your That's message what was the last two. Eve wanted the fruit that wasn't on the menu. Yeah. She wanted to be her own God. Decide right. what was happy for her, what was delightful for her, right. what was good for her. <laughs> so, yeah. And the devil said, does, does, could, does God really love you if he want, if he makes it so hard for you to make a sandwich for your husband? Yeah. You, got all you just these... want to make an apple sandwich, right? Yeah. You got all these trees, but he kept the best from you. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Well, there's so many hundreds of thousands of people who never even became footnote in the church. They weren't even, whether infamous or not, they didn't even make it as a footnote. And I feel like that's a lot of the church right there. That a lot of the church is just quiet. And for instance, all of the Christians, it says 90% of the Christians of Austria, when Hitler came to power, mm -hmm. were all Christian. Yeah. 80% Protestant. They were Christian, nominal. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just saying, you can have a Christian nation that sins in its silence. Yeah. And you won't really be a footnote. Yeah. And that's the lukewarm church. And so, right. I, I think there's also that sinful issue. Okay. Yeah. Not this evil thing, just, just shutting up when you when you should speak out. Well, Jew, what what awful is what awful stuff is Jude talking about? He's talking about apostates, people who are falling away. He's talking about lukewarm people who are just not doing. Well, they, here's what they're doing. These are. And this is verse 16 of Jude. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts. I'm going to do what I want to do. And they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. That's Korah. That's the, that's the sin of Korah, yeah. is gaining advantage and doing what you want to do, being your own boss, especially in the church. Um, that Ephesians chapter 5 starts off with how we're supposed to treat each other and the end of the first part of, of the church, he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, verse 21 of chapter 5. Verse 22 says what? And here, here's what that submission looks like. Wives, you submit to your husbands. But husbands, you submit to your wives in sacrifice. Children, obey your parents. That's what your submission looks like. But parents, don't, lure, don't drive your children to rebellion by, call, by asking unreasonable things of them. That's chapter 6, verse 1. And then it says, slaves and masters... Which is uh, for us, it's an example. The example or the application for us is employers, employees. It, it, that kind of that. If your boss gives you a job to do, do that job and don't work only when he's looking. 
But bosses, don't lord it over your employees because you have a boss too. It is the Lord. That circle of submission, that's the way we're supposed, that's the way we operate in a church as a, as exemplified by these three relationships. Husbands and wives, parents and children, circle of submission. I'm not, I don't lord it over anybody. As anybody in this room, have I ever told you that you couldn't buy a car? And I won't. So don't ask me. Well, you're not more and I won't tell you that I won't tell you to buy a red that you can't buy a red car because that's a devil color, or, or anything like that. Suzanne, isn't your car red? <laughs> your old one was red. Um, okay. I digress. We're we should never be in the position that Moses and Aaron were in, because we all have. We're all answerable to Jesus ourselves. Nobody's answer to, answerable to me. Not one single person that goes to church here is answerable to me for anything. But people still want to be the one that stands here. People, people will try to bring down the person who looks like the leader. Aaron was a very... Uh, a very humble person. And the Bible says that there was never a person in the world that was more humble than, than Moses. But who wrote that? Traditionally, we say Moses wrote those words down, which is kind of funny, but because um, it's the opposite of what we think. But I believe it's true. I mean, why didn't Moses just let God kill all these people? No, he interceded for them because he really did have a heart for them, which is what you hope for in a leader. So, meekness isn't weak. That's right. That's right. Jesus was meek. And that's Moses was called meek. Yeah. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. That job. Yeah, he wanted Moses to argue with him about that. I need somebody to stand in the gap so I don't kill all these people. I need, <laughs> I, I need that yeah. to say, "Hey, please don't shoot him." Like that's what I need. I need a Moses to do that because otherwise, I'm going to just kill them all. You know, uh-huh. I, I want somebody to stand in the gap. Come on, start. Yeah. When the when Korah comes to you, think about it, <laughs> I, I, because we're we're in a time where, um, where I believe the devil's Satan wants to bring church down and wants to bring down through the leaders, and we so um, when Korah comes to you, remember what we talked about tonight, because. We don't want to be like the fallen angels. That's that's not a good good way to go. Man, let me pray for us. Father, may we always recognize that you're the source of our help and the source of our hope. 
And, and we don't trust anything else in Jesus name. We don't put our trust in things or what, or the few things that we have control over. We put our trust in you. We don't want to be our own gods. We, we want to submit to you and, and what your plan is for us and, and, and submit and yield to what that plan is. I pray for us to have a, have a love in our hearts for people who are confused and messed up, but that we'd always be ready. We'd always be available to, to speak truth in love to people who are confused. People who don't know better. To speak the truth in love, to speak these, speak your word to them. about what it means to be a human being and and to not worship ourselves, but worship you, the one who created us. Because we want to glorify you by our love and by our, um, by the Jesus in us, that people would see that and, and not see anything else. That when, as we respond to situations that, we respond like Jesus because that's what's going to make a difference. Not a better argument or anything else, but being Jesus to people. That that Jesus is the one that brings transformation. Not education or better philosophy or psychology. Jesus brings transformation. And that's what we need today. Lord, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.